Hello and welcome to I Am A Health Visitor. My name's Amy. And I'm Jenny. And today we're going to talk about um, the article that was recently in The Guardian um, criticising a letter which had been sent out which used the term artificial feeding. And it's been all over the news um, recently and there's been lots of furore about it so we thought we would cover the topic quite an interesting um thing isn't it that's come up recently well it's it's one of those things where i think especially over the weekend it was all over kind of facebook and twitter and yeah things and it, it's always quite interesting sort of when you dip into your twitter feed and you see something that's mentioned by one person mm. and then suddenly they're being quoted on the bbc news website and quite widely as well and things from it so uh I think you've got the article there, haven't you? To um... yeah, I have. Yeah, um, exactly. So it was essentially the headline is "Hospitals Artificial Feeding Letter to Mothers Criticised," and it was on the thirtieth of March, twenty eighteen. Um, and it's essentially describing the fact that a hospital trust has been criticised for describing mothers who use formula milk as artificially feeding babies. So it was Worcestershire. Um, acute hospitals NHS trust and it sent out a letter and it's got a copy of the letter attached to the article that so you can read it in full and we'll put the link um, to it on the um, podcast information Um, but it's essentially a information sheet for parents on feeding your new baby whilst in hospital and it's got a summary of breastfeeding the importance of breastfeeding the importance of skin to skin um, the fact that the breastfeeding team will be on hand to offer support and guidance in the early days. And then it says, as of the 1st of May, Worcestershire Acute Hospital's maternity unit will no longer be providing artificial milk, brackets, formula milk, to new mothers who've made an informed choice not to breastfeed. And then the next headline is, what do I need to bring with me if I wish to artificially feed my baby? And I think um, it's that line, really, that artificially yeah. feed my baby, which has caused the most controversy. So, yeah, interestingly, a, a friend of mine had also picked a hole in this with um, the staff talking about the, the starter milk packs. Okay. And saying it's only particular formula, formula companies that make those. Oh, um, okay. So there's a little bit of an, are they actually uh, marketing towards particular ones? So... To me, the term artificial feeding would mean um, using TPN or using a PEG. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite clumsy yeah. um, that they've used that term with reference to feeding. Yeah, um, oral however, feeding. Yeah, because yeah. it does, you're right, it sounds like a kind of parenteral type of feeding, doesn't it? Like you'd, you yeah. know, you'd, like you'd be using an NG tube or, a, exactly. you know, some exactly. kind of other method. Although, yeah, it, it is in the letter, it does clearly state that they are talking about formula yeah. when they say artificial yeah, milk. It does. And to be fair, you know, formula milk does not come about naturally. No, yeah. You know, that's true. there are a load of artificial processes it goes through before it reaches any baby. Yeah. So, is it unfair to use the term artificial? Well, I think um, I mean when I first read it, I was quite shocked, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, that's really, really poor wording of that letter." Um, yeah. I think sometimes people do refer to artificial milk, and um, you know that I think is less open for debate because 
objectively it is artificial milk um like you say it's not a naturally occurring substance but it's the artificial feeding if if i wish yeah. to artificially feed my baby you know that to me just sounds like it's quite loaded that sentence yeah. for me because i mean ultimately you're not artificially feeding them you're feeding them you're really feeding yeah. them you're not pretending to feed them or in somehow no. some way faking feeding them no. um you're really feeding them but it's just yeah. you're feeding them with artificial milk, if you like, yeah. or formula milk. I, I think it kind of comes into that whole argument of fed is best and mm. fed isn't best. Fed is the bare minimum. Mm. You know, it's like if you're not feeding your baby, then that's a really serious problem. Yeah, that's kind of beyond a mass referral. That's an A&E referral kind of thing. Um, and it is that comes down to that argument and it's that thing of, yeah, when you look on things like the Guardian website and mm-hmm. Facebook and things, it's those below the line comments mm. that then turns into the whole argument of breastfeeding versus formula, mm. which is so frustrating mm. and quite divisive. I mean, I think we were looking at the statistics earlier, weren't we? We're still living in a country where is it like 80% of mums or you know, 8 out of 10 mums are yeah. stopping breastfeeding before they want to? Yeah, so I looked up this statistic and it's from Amy Brown, who I know you're um, a fan of in her yes. book. Um, yeah. which And she says that 80% of women who stop breastfeeding at six weeks didn't want oh. to. So 80% of the women who stop breastfeeding in the first six weeks don't want to stop. They want to carry on breastfeeding, but they feel that they can't. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a kind of shocking statistic because you think, actually, in that sense, it doesn't feel like an informed choice, does it? It feels more like a person who feels forced into something that they didn't actually want to do. Yeah. So on the UNICEF website, there was um, a Cochrane review they highlighted. Mm. And it was a special collection on enabling breastfeeding mm-hmm. and particularly support for healthy, healthy breastfeeding mothers with healthy term babies. Mm. And that showed that when breastfeeding support was offered to women, the duration and exclusivity of breastfeeding is increased. Yeah. And I think it varies between um, trusts, between areas, between practitioners even sometimes of quite what support is. It's a tricky to quantify term. I mean, obviously we have the UNICEF revalidation um, or the UNICEF accreditation, sorry, that um, gives quite clear guidance on what they expect of trusts. Um, But I think it is still a bit of a sticky point, especially with the move to local authority commissioning with budgets being slashed, that there are big issues around kind of ensuring that that support is given. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. I don't think there is enough support out there and I don't think there's enough guidance either for trusts on what, what good support really looks like. And that's something that occurred to me as well when I was reading this article because it talks about our breastfeeding supporters will be on hand you know to help you get off to the best start with breastfeeding yeah um we're going to help you to get your baby attached and it's all going to be fine um and I thought well that's wonderful if your infant feeding service really truly is achieving that that's really fabulous to hear you know because yeah I've worked in um two trusts now that are both UNICEF level three accredited the highest level of accreditation and in both trusts there are certainly experiences of women who have felt 
that they didn't receive the best support that they needed in hospital. Yeah. So just even despite the highest level of accreditation. So I think that's, you know, a big claim to be making. Um, yeah. And I guess what this really raises for me is is how just how difficult and emotionally charged it can be for women if they Definitely. end up stopping breastfeeding before they wanted to. And yeah. really, the last thing any health visitor or, I'm sure, hospital trust wants to do is make someone feel worse about that. And I exactly. do think that artificially feed my baby is probably a bad choice, you know, if you're going yeah. to be... I don't really see the need to use the word artificial. Formula works just fine, and that's the word yeah. we use in daily practice we don't yeah. go around saying are you breastfeeding or are you artificially feeding you know yeah. we, we say are you breastfeeding or are you formula feeding and that word works fine there's no need Definitely. to use artificial yeah but also I think what it really highlights for me is in this country we're really not very good at making people feel feel good about themselves for having tried to breastfeed yeah. and preventing them from feeling guilty about not yeah. choosing not to go on with breastfeeding for whatever reason or feeling like they can't go on with breastfeeding yeah, exactly. um, and I guess what what can you do to help people feel not guilty about it that's it's, the important issue yeah it's such a tricky area so tricky I think what is really interesting and what I've seen coming through being a bit of a kind of I think I'm going to be an embarrassing mum in years to come. I already apparently, I, I already apparently am an embarrassing mum to my seven-year-old. not. I I dared to speak to some of her classmates the other day, and uh, I made them laugh, and I did not hear the end of how embarrassing I was. What? Because um, you made them laugh. Yeah, you yeah. monster. But um, wait until she's old enough to realise that I'm on things like Twitter and oh, Facebook wow. yeah. and. Uh, how embarrassing that might be um but I I don't I don't post on it I'd love to post on it but I just don't get quite how to but on Instagram there are several um people I follow there's a bit of a I mean there's quite five threads about insta mums on yeah. on a mum's net they get a rougher time than health visitors these days I swear <laughs> that's and hard I mean, to going. Be fair, you know some of some of them some of them are very lucky they're in a position where they've got lots of followers they have people approaching them giving them free holidays wow, and goodness. free nice clothes and things because they know that it's it's a way of advertising yeah it's gonna sort of yeah we're, we're all using Netflix these days and things so we don't get adverts on the telly yeah so yeah, they have to find other ways advertising. Yeah. Um, but there are several mums on there who have done so much to normalize having a baby normalize um sort of breastfeeding yeah I mean my favorite one has to be one called um or she's her name's Steph Douglas and her sort of handle whatever it is is a uh, Steph don't buy me flowers <laughs> um because she runs a company called don't buy her flowers um and they're brilliant I got my mum a Mother's Day box from them anyway um yeah no advertising and things I paid for it <laughs> not sponsored um but she's done an amazing she has a blog and she's got an amazing blog post called pulling up the drawbridge okay. about the first two weeks after you have a baby and um it's well worth a look at and mm. even now you know her little is four months old she's still fully breastfeeding mm. And she just does sort of, she's got two older kids as well who are kind of primary school age. And she does so much to really yeah. kind of sort of show how real, how real it is. And how achievable um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. 
and just sort of that reality of yeah she I mean I was listening to her talking on another podcast on my way home from work this evening and um because yeah unfortunately I don't just listen to our podcast I listen to others what? as well others? I know how rude is that <laughs> we'll let you off okay um <laughs> and um but she was saying how um, you know, she's still up in the night with him mm. and so she's trying to get the naps in before she gets the kids home from school and stuff and no, it was just really, really, really a breath realistic. of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess um, what health visitors will be listening, you know, I guess thinking is how do we how do we help women to feel supported and not to feel guilty about whatever their breastfeeding journey has been, yeah. even if that's been not to breastfeed at all or no. if that's been some initial first breastfeeds how do we help them to kind of value what the feed breastfeeding they are doing and not feel guilty about having stopped um, I think the key thing that we really need to um, achieve is to really feel ensure all women are feeling completely informed about the choices mm-hmm. yeah we have so many effective tools there around breastfeeding these days so much good quality information that we can share and mm-hmm. signpost parents too I think it's really about that and maybe we should do a shout out as well at this point to say you know what things have you guys found in practice helpful that have been effective you know um, I know we often do these shout outs and we we sometimes get things back but not very often yeah um so you know please don't we don't bite we we love we love you all for listening to us, um, but you know let us know because it'd be really good to do a, a podcast in the future, giving yeah. a bit more detail on you know, how can we effectively support mums with with their feeding choices. Yeah. Um, and because we equally, I know, um, I mean, sort of being in a trust where we're preparing for UNICEF revalidation, mm. um, it's interesting how um, looking at neighbouring. Um, sort of other other boroughs within the same trust mm. have had their revalidation and one of the things they were picked up on was actually not giving um formula feeding parents as much information yeah. and sort of the quality of information around yeah how quantity they should be feeding yeah. um what things to be looking out for around the responsive feeding and yeah, things how to prepare so we know there are that. there are gaps yeah we have been it's been a very kind of it's it's almost like I feel almost like infant feeding advice is a bit like in a really badly driven stunt car (laughs) where you swerve from completely giving breastfeeding advice and nothing about formula to swerving towards giving formula advice and someone else grabs a steering wheel goes no that's (laughs) pro-formula feeding get back to breastfeeding again yeah yeah. I mean it's something which yeah I mean when we spoke to Carmen um about tongue ties yeah, and she was saying that it really frustrates her that the formula-fed babies don't have the same access course, to tongue tie yeah. treatment. Um, it's something which is you know so so important that we do aim to get right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think as well that on that note, the kind of responsive formula feeding and information giving, some of that can be really helpful. And I've used that definitely in practice with parents who felt that they gave up breastfeeding before they wanted to and that they didn't want to kind of reopen that box and attempt to get back onto breastfeeding. They felt that that was now behind them, but they're very much beating themselves up about it. I found the resources on responsive um, formula feeding can be really useful because yeah. UNICEF have got an absolutely fabulous leaflet and it's 
essentially trying to hold on to all those wonderful things about breastfeeding um you know the bonding and the closeness yeah and the relationship sides of sides of it um that you can still value and you can still have with a formula feed there's no reason why you can't have skin to skin you can't limit the number of people giving feeds you can't try and pace the feed to try and make it as similar as possible so there's lots we can do if if women women are feeling um, guilty about not having done it and they would like and they would value that chance then that's really yeah. helpful for the baby so yeah that's really our role as well in in informing them about all of that that information that's out there yeah um, I think if you look at what the the keystones are of responsiveness and building a bond mm. they're actually applicable to breast and formula fed babies they are. yeah and I think that's it's quite a nice thing that we're doing that and um yeah I mean I've I've been helping develop and present antenatal groups uh-huh. in my area and it's quite nice sort of coming at it from that responsive feeding point of view yeah. and that responsiveness and bonding because actually that then puts them on an even footing mm. and you know it's one of those things where we don't have enough time in a two-hour session mm. to cover breastfeeding in a great depth or formula feeding in great depth let alone to really kind of go hard on what their Mm. feeding choices are at Mm. that point because I think majority of them would say breastfeeding even if they're having doubts because they feel that's the right answer yeah yeah um and I mean the kind of intention to breastfeed is is really high isn't it and at birth you know on discharge I suppose that would be from hospital um we have 81 percent in the uk this is from the last survey which as we know was 2010 and they um they then stopped it in their wisdom um the most recent figures we've got um everyone seems to want to breastfeed initially but by um even by a week you've down to 69 percent by six weeks 55 percent yeah. Six months, 34%. So only just over a third of um, mothers were still breastfeeding at six months, doing any yeah. breastfeeding at six months. So from from 81%, that's a big drop. And obviously Definitely. lots of people have started out intending to breastfeed, um, but actually not continued it. Yeah. And I suppose the important thing is really that statistic about um, eight in 10 women feel that they've stopped before they wanted to because it's not that they're then choosing to stop it's that they felt that they had to stop they were felt forced into stop stopping and felt very guilty about that afterwards yeah yeah and I think it is that thing where we have to recognize that the feeding is only one part of if we're looking holistically at yeah. a mother and baby that breastfeeding or feeding is only one part we have to look at that entire cycle of well what else is going on what's impacting I always it's one of those funny things where I I was so um sort of inspired I think in a way by the broth and branner yes sort of concentric circles yeah absolutely and I always think it's sort of I when I'm doing an assessment on a family I always (laughs) sort of imagine them at the center and it might not be that I'm following exactly and it might not be that it's family community work and things that are in those circles no no sure but I think it's a really good way of looking at and thinking Mm. that thing of actually something that you know if you drop a pebble in those ripples will have an effect elsewhere and things as well yeah and so yeah you need to be aware of it I mean it's one of those things where you know we're we're recording we record these in batches and uh, we're recording tonight having just seen the perinatal mental health 
item on Channel 4 News mm. tonight. Mm. And again, it's that thing of, you know, you have to be aware of the, men you know, the mental yeah. health aspects and how that can impact yeah. and things. And um, that's a factor in the guilt thing as well, isn't it? Because definitely. quite often women who are low, and one of the biggest um, things about postnatal depression, for example, um, is that women feel guilty. They feel that they're a bad mum. You know, that's actually one of the symptoms, really, definitely. of postnatal depression. Um, so it can get to kind of clinical levels, that. And I think yeah. the breastfeeding just then becomes another stick that women are using to beat themselves yeah. with. Um, and I definitely find that in practice, um, you know, you're, you're talking to a woman and, and you'll say, so how, how are you feeding at the minute? And they'll say, oh, uh, well, I, I am formula feeding almost with this kind of very guilty expression on their face. Like they're scared yeah. to tell me sometimes they're, they're I almost ready say to that. be told off. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I say that back to them. I say, um, it looks almost like you're like scared to tell me that. Are you feeling guilty about that? And then I find that's a good kind of way of opening up the conversation because then you're saying, look, you know, you don't need to be worried about telling me that. You don't need to feel guilty about telling me that. You know, that's fine. I'm not going yeah. to, like, start yelling about how terrible a mother you are <laughs> and storm out of the house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and here's, here's your huge tabard that you yeah. should wear in public. Exactly, yeah. Here's the hat to, that goes with it. Please make sure you're wearing those at all times. Here's a bell to ring as yeah. you're walking up the baby aisle in Sainsbury's. Yeah. And I don't know if, yeah. you know, I don't know if... Um, some of this is kind of perceived um, blame that is seen I... by mums and some of it is real. And, and there's a very real chance that some of it could well be real. You know, it's not it all feels perceived. Like, yeah. It's certainly ex experienced as real, which is the important part. It feels like a lot of it is perceived. I mean, I, I visited a very assertive and confident mm. um, new mum of twins um, the other week. Yeah. And it was interesting. I mean, she, it, yeah, she has a professional background, mm -hmm. and I think she had already, to some extent, she already knew what. Yeah, she had quite a clear plan of feeding yeah. her twins. She wants to try and do some breastfeeding with mm -hmm. them, but she is, and her, in her words, she's very pragmatic. Okay, she is very pragmatic about using formula, understanding yeah. that that is a means to an end. In that, it means that she knows she can get the yeah. breast she needs it means that she can sort of give them the attention that she wants them to have yeah and I mean as it turns out one of them is is poorly as well so she is need Aww. there is more going on than Goodness. the typical for her so she's got plenty on her plate bless yeah her. but she was it was quite funny because she had been to a a local organization that's very much committed to childbirth breastfeeding support session mm -hmm. Um, or sort of an advice session when she was pregnant mm. and um, she she was very kind of yeah they really had not sort of acknowledged what she had said or about the fact that she was already aware yeah. that she would be wanting to do some formula feeding yeah. and things and she came away feeling unsupported but was confident enough to know that she could get the information elsewhere. She yeah. sought the information and good. things. Yeah. yeah. But not um, that she came away feeling like she had to look elsewhere. And no. I think that's a imp really important point that you've raised about um, 
making sure that you're actually listening to what the woman's telling you because at the end of the day it should be a conversation shouldn't it exactly what are your feeding plans what are you thinking about feeding how are you feeling about feeding what your experiences are feeding and really listening to what they say and then tailoring your conversation accordingly and sometimes just the tiniest change in that maybe not quite listening as hard as you normally would be that can be interpreted massively as a complete slur on them as a parent you know yeah people are feeling very vulnerable at this stage they're very vulnerable and and feeling almost blamed and guilty about so many different things yeah not just feeding but everything you know people say that's guilt is the overriding emotion when you become a parent don't they you know it's like oh i feel guilty for picking them up i feel guilty for not picking them up feel guilty for letting them sleep in my bed i feel guilty for making them lie on their own i feel guilty for feeding them guilty for not feeding them yeah i have to say i don't think you until you become a, a parent you yeah. don't realize how the guilt you feel before you're a parent is nothing not in quite as deep as yeah. when it's you know, you've made this child you're yeah. you're taking it from you know you're taking it through you're you're guiding it through through growth and things yeah. and yeah blimey the guilt you can feel is immense and of course, breastfeeding as well, it's your own body, isn't it? So yeah. you're almost criticising yourself and your own body oh, for not definitely. being able to achieve what you wanted to achieve for your yeah. for your baby. So yeah. it really goes deep, this. And I think what this article has highlighted is, is really how emotionally charged this issue can be for women. And I think it just reminds us as health visitors how careful we need to be not to make people feel guilty. Even yeah. if, you know... They are. They might be right in the sense that milk is artificial. Yes, sure it is. But we need to be careful about our wording because making people feel guilty certainly doesn't make them breastfeed more. You know, no. that isn't that isn't what we're trying to achieve. That isn't what anyone's trying to achieve. Yeah. No. Well, I think as I said earlier, we'd love to hear what your feelings were on it yeah, as well. Definitely. So feel free to contact us on our email address, which is I am a health visitor, all one word, at gmail dot com, or on our Twitter at I am a HV, um, and mm-hmm. on our Facebook page, which is I am a health visitor, separate words. Excellent job. <laughs> I'm so glad you always do that because every single time I go to do it, I forget them all, even if I knew them prior to doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, get in touch um, and let definitely. us know your thoughts on the article and how you tackle this issue in practice and how you yeah. manage to get around it. Oh, and if anyone's listening to this before the, um, the joint IHV and, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, the R... The PCH? P- yes, conference <laughs> on breastfeeding in London on the 19th of April. Mm. Yes, it is the 19th of April, isn't it? Two days after I get back from annual leave. Um, yeah, but yes, no, if, if, you are, if you are listening to this before then and you're going to be going to it, then look out for me and come and say hello because oh, um, I'm nice. going and I'm really excited. Um, that sounds so, yeah. brilliant. Maybe we should oh. do an episode on it on the conference. Well, I am a bit of a. I don't. If anyone has followed me on Twitter previously, and when I've been at CPHVA conference and things, I do tweet a lot. 
um, <laughs> at conferences, mainly so that I can remember what I've seen and done myself. It's far easier than yeah. using a notebook sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look out. And um, obviously I'll be, um, you can either follow me on my individual um, Twitter handle, which is at Lofty Jen. Um, if ever anyone meets me, they'll work out it's not because I'm very tall, because I'm not. <laughs> um, but I'll also um, retweet some stuff on the I am a HV um, Twitter account as well. Lovely. So um, yeah, look forward to uh, possibly seeing some some of you there. Great stuff. That all sounds brilliant. Um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed it, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.